<clears throat> hey, good morning. Oh, we gotta do better than that. What's up? Good morning. Hey, it's good to see all of you. I found out there's a staff meeting going on today, which means all of the adult supervision is not in this room. So we get to have some fun. Anybody else good with that? All right, this section is good with that. Uh, here's the thing I just wanted to start with. Okay, how many of you have a roommate? Just by show of hands, how many of you have a roommate? How many of you that have roommates wish you knew something a month ago that you now know about your roommate? Anybody else? Here, here's what I'm asking. Anybody else have an interesting roommate experience where you're like, this did not play out the way that I thought it was gonna play out at all, right? Come on, I know some of you, you're not raising your hand and it's because you're the bad roommate, right? <laughs> Agreed? I had uh, a number of different bad roommate experiences when I was in college. I went to Grand Valley uh, like a decade ago. I went to Grand Valley, went in totally blind, had three different roommates. Uh, I don't know if you guys have had this. We had thermostat wars. We had refrigerator wars. We had sleep schedule wars. I mean, we, we fought a lot about stupid stuff sometimes and then serious stuff sometimes. Uh, but isn't it true? I mean, in a world where we know a ton of people, I mean, if you pull out you know, your phone and you look at Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever platform you wanna talk about, we know a lot of people, don't we? Is it different the closer you get to them though? I bet you know your roommate better than all of their Facebook friends because you've seen stuff that no human being should ever have to see, agreed? <laughs> You've heard things that no other human being should hear. You've smelled things that should not be smelled. When you're close to someone, agreed? When you're close to somebody, you get to know them totally different, don't you? We know a lot of people, I think, at a distance. I, th I think we know a lot of people. If you look at your friend list, if you look at your phone list, or your contact list, a lot of us know people from a distance. So here's a question that I just have for you in, in my limited amount of time today. How well do you know Jesus? How well do you know Jesus? Because we, we know a lot of people at a distance, and I, I honestly think a lot of people know Jesus at a distance. Knowing somebody at a distance is really convenient because they can be whoever you want them to be. Right, Jesus can be whoever you want him to be as long as he is at a distance. You can define him however you want, you can use him however you want, you can use him to justify whatever it is you want. You can use Jesus to your liking as much as you want as long as he is from a distance. But when he's close, that changes. And if I'm being super honest with you, I'm gonna be honest with you a couple different times today, uh, hopefully all of it today, but a couple different times specifically today. Uh, I didn't always want Jesus close. When Jesus is close, it forces you to change stuff, doesn't it? Forces you to see things differently, forces you to see yourself differently. And, and honestly, what happened was when I was your age, when I was in college, when I was at Grand Valley, my dad's a pastor, I grew up in the local church, I went to Grand Valley so that I didn't have to do anything with church. You know, a lot of you maybe came here to Cornerstone because you're like, I wanna grow in my relationship with God and I wanna figure out life and I wanna do it at the same time. I, I did not have that story. I showed up to Grand Valley going, I wanna get away from this church thing. I wanna get away from God. I wanna get away from Jesus. I need some distance between me and him so I can figure my life out. And I walked in and I had three roommates that I went in totally blind. I didn't know any of them. And what I learned was they had something. All three of them were Christians, go figure. I was like, college is gonna be awful. Three Christian roommates who I'm trying to run in the opposite direction. What I figured out is they had something that I didn't have and it was because of their proximity to Jesus. 
So if you have a Bible, open up your Bible really quick, pull out your phone, Google it. I have words for you on the screen too if that's more convenient for you. Uh, There's this setting where Jesus and his disciples are traveling around, they're going place to place, and Jesus is doing a lot of stuff and he's getting a lot of attention. And they're at this setting, it's more of a remote setting and a bunch of people are hungry and it's like lunchtime. And the little kid comes up, you've heard this story, little kid with a sack lunch that his mom packed for him that day with five pieces of bread in it and then two fish sticks. That's what he had And, and he's the only one with food and there's thousands of people and he comes up to Jesus and he goes, here you go. This is what I got. And so Jesus takes that, he prays for it in front of everybody, blesses all of the crowds, and then he distributes all of the food. So much food is left over. It says they have 12 basketfuls remaining. Right, so it's a miracle that took place in front, a crowd, right? Thousands of people, this crowd, and the attention is on Jesus, and so it says just right after, this is Luke chapter nine, verse 18, Jesus was praying. So once when Jesus was praying, this was right after it, in private, and his disciples were with him, some scholars say they interrupted him. Jesus was praying, Jesus was doing Jesus things, and the disciples interrupted and showed up, and Jesus asked them a question. He said this, who do the crowds say that I am? You just saw me. You just saw what I did, you saw what I'm capable of. Who do they all say that I am? Verse 19 says, they replied, some say it's John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. People came to different conclusions about Jesus, didn't they? Somebody went home to their mom or dad that day and they said, oh man, it's Elijah. Somebody went home to their workplace or their family and they said, oh, he's a great prophet. Somebody else said he's just this great teacher. Somebody else said he's this magician. Somebody else said he's just this, this you know, featured preacher. Whatever. Everybody in that crowd was coming to a different conclusion to Jesus based on their proximity to Jesus. So here's a question. Do people come to different conclusions about Jesus today? I mean, if we're being super honest with you, you're probably gonna be in different classes where different professors that you have, you can go from one class to the next one and a professor might have a different conclusion about Jesus. Or or you can go to your workplace and they might have a different perception of Jesus. You might go to your family and one of your parents might have a different perception of Jesus versus the other one. People come to different conclusions about Jesus all over our world and when Jesus is from a distance, when we keep him at a distance, we can define him however we want, we can use him however we want, we can even politicize him however we want. But Jesus takes it a step further with his disciples. So it says this, Luke 9 verse 20, but what about you? looks at his boys, right? These 12 that were super close to him, right next to him, those who were with him all the time. And he said, who do you say that I am? That's what he wanted to know. I think he was less interested in what do the crowds think? What do all the people, what are the conclusions that they've drawn? Even in the text, it doesn't say Jesus goes back to the crowds and tries to right their wrong perceptions. What he does is he focuses on the group of guys that was closest to him and his disciples. And he goes, who do you guys say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So here's a question for you. Who is Jesus to you? I think so many of us have defined him from a distance that however you answer that question will actually reveal to you how proximate you are to him. So here's a couple maybe ideas. Is Jesus like a cosmic genie to you that can grant all of life's wishes? Is that how you see Jesus? Is Jesus fire insurance for you? Or it's like Jesus keeps me out of hell. There's a lot of people in our world that see Jesus that way. Is Jesus the epitome of religion? And what do I mean by that? 
try harder, be better, do good things? Is Jesus the epitome of that? Is Jesus the great judge and the rule keeper? that you feel like you're never good enough or you never accomplish quite as much as what you need to? Is he just a good teacher? Is he a good prophet? Is he a historical character? Is he a myth? Is he just a guy? Who is Jesus to you? Here, if I had one thing that I could share with all of you that would have changed my life forever the earlier I had heard it, it would be this one statement. Those who actually know Jesus are the ones that are closest to him. If you actually wanna know who Jesus is, it requires your proximity to him. You can't get to know the real Jesus when he's this far away. And I think the crowds were okay with that. I, I think a lot of the crowds, they, they came to Jesus for something that they wanted and as soon as they got what they wanted from Jesus, they left. They were content knowing him at a very superficial level. But his disciples, if you look at how his disciples lived out their lives, almost all of them, it cost their lives because of how close they were to Jesus and they weren't willing to change or give anything up. Your proximity to Jesus matters. So I, I don't know what brought you to Cornerstone. I don't know what, what excites you about this place. I don't know what dreams you have or hopes for your future, what you wanna do. Maybe you wanna be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. Maybe you just wanna be a mom or a dad. Maybe you're just trying to figure it out and you're stuck. I mean, I, I came in, I was so confused. My freshman year, I changed my major five times. Five times, I was like, I wanna be a doctor. I hate science, I hate it. I hate labs, I hate biology, I hate chemistry. I was like, I like what doctors get paid. That's why I wanna be a doctor. That's my motivator. So I changed my major. I wasn't a doctor anymore. I was like, I, I wanna be a teacher. Guys, I hate school. Like if you would have told me 10 years ago, like, hey, you're gonna be at a school and you're gonna be giving a talk, I'd be like, that makes no sense for my life. I, I kept changing my major over and over. I was confused, trying to figure it out. What, what am I actually here to do? But man, the proximity to Jesus, what, what I saw in my roommates and what I saw in my friends was they actually had a relationship with Jesus that I didn't have, and I had a whole life's history worth that I, that I could show you, oh, I, I know who Jesus is. My dad's a pastor, I grew up in church, I was there every Sunday, I, I knew the Bible verses, I knew the memory verses, I knew the songs, I, I knew all of the stuff, and yet Jesus filled an eternity away from me. Most important thing I could share with you today is just if you know Jesus, if you can get close to him, it can change every part of your life. Here's, a, here's what actually, well, let me keep going here. Uh, Luke 9, verse 20. So Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up. Anybody else like Peter in the room? Peter's my favorite character. Peter loves to jam his foot so deep in his mouth, he can't talk for a week. He says a lot of really dumb stuff. Uh, there's like one passage of scripture where Jesus looks at him and he goes, I'm gonna build my church on you, Peter. You know, it's like, man, he puffed up and proud. And then like a couple verses later, he calls him Satan. You know, it's like, this is, this is the road of Peter. It's like, close to Jesus, far from Jesus. You know, close, I'm gonna build my church, Jesus says. Like, man, I am close and you're the devil, okay. Ebb and flow. So I like Peter, because I can relate to Peter. I think different seasons I feel close to Jesus, different seasons I feel super far from Jesus. You look at, at Peter's response, and Peter, what he says is, you're God's Messiah. That's who you are. I've read the Bible. I, I've read the prophecies. I've seen you. I've heard you. I've talked with you. I, I, I've, I've seen you do what you say you can do. There's no other option. You are God's Messiah. Peter gets it. He, he got this one right. He was at the top. And you know, I mean, Peter's story, man, he would deny Jesus also. 
Three different times, Jesus gets arrested. Peter denies it. Peter, Peter's a roller coaster. If you ever feel like you're a roller coaster, you're in good company with the characters in the Bible. And you're in good company with me. I'm a roller coaster too. Jesus, I'm close. Jesus, I feel like I know you. Jesus, I get you. Jesus, I think you care. I, I sense you. And then also, Jesus, I, I've never felt so far from you. You know what happened? My freshman year, uh, a lot of the wheels fell off for life. You know what I'm talking about? Like when stuff goes bad, then everything goes bad. Uh, that's kind of the season that I lived in. Part of why I kept changing my major five times was I was lost, I kept getting stuck. I, I had sin issues that I'd never told anybody about in my entire life. Uh, I had very little friends, I was far from my family. I mean, it, it was like, there was a lot of stuff that went bad, and it went bad quick, and it went bad deep. And I found myself doing something in my dorm room that I had never done before. Uh, all of my other roommates would you know, we'd all stay up till two, three in the morning, something like that, with an 8 a.m. lab. That's why I hated that. We'd stay up super late, and what I would do is I would close my door, I would turn off my lights, I would put headphones in, I would turn on instrumental music, and, and I would get on my face, and I would say, God, if you're real, I want you. I actually want to know you. I know I've put on the facade, I know I've faked it, I, I know I've pretended for so much of my life, but, but now in front of nobody, where nobody could see, nobody could judge, nobody could decide whatever it was I was doing, I, I locked my door, I turned off the light, I got on my face and I went, I actually want to know you. I actually moved in Jesus's direction and I went, I'm desperate. And I'll tell you what, what happened that first semester for me in college changed the entire trajectory of the rest of my life. I mean, if I have one thing to tell you guys, Jesus is real. He is alive. He is active. He is pursuing you. He's going after you. There's no sin. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's, there's nothing that you've done that could actually separate you from the love of Jesus, but you have to want him. That's the difference. He, he doesn't force himself on you. You have to want a relationship with Jesus to get it. Do you want it? A professor can't answer that question for you. Your parent can't answer that question for you. Your future kids someday can't answer that question for you. Your boyfriend or your girlfriend can't answer that question for you. Nobody can answer that question for you other than you. Do you actually want a relationship with Jesus? James 4, verse 3, it says this. He's talking about prayer. And so the Bible tells us why sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. Probably it's here, verse three. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Anybody else just pray for things you want? Okay, just me in the room, great. I pray for stuff I want all the time. And I go, God, why aren't you giving me this thing? It's because I'm praying for my own motives, my own pleasures, my own desires, my own outcomes. But here's what he says. You, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You know, I know your whole theme this year is Jesus is the greatest friend. But is he your greatest friend? You have to decide. I can't decide that for you. Nobody in your life can decide that for you except you. Is Jesus your greatest friend? This is what it says, John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what Jesus did for every single one of us in this room. Jesus laid down his life. He sacrificed himself so that we could have a relationship with him, not just in this life, but for forever. 
You know what you would have seen if you were at the, the scene of the cross? I, I think about that sometimes. You know, you would have said, what you would have heard is, is the hammer hitting the nails as the nails go into the wrists of Jesus on a wooden, splintery, nasty cross. You would have heard, seen him wince and maybe cry out in pain as the nail goes through and then the nail goes through his feet. You would have heard the thud of the cross as it drops in the hole as he gets hung there. You would have seen the blood dripping down his face, covered in sweat and blood and going in his eyes. And you would have heard him coughing. You would have seen him struggling. You know what you would have seen if you looked in Jesus' eyes? Love. It'd move you to tears if you knew how much Jesus loved you, how much Jesus wants to be your friend how much Jesus wants to be your savior, how much Jesus wants to, to lead you on a life full of adventure and joy and promise that you can't even wrap your mind about. Jesus is extending an invitation to every single one of us saying, I am the Messiah. I am God's son. I am the king of the universe. I am the ultimate judge. I am the ultimate authority. Everything submits to me. All he wants from you is to have a friendship and a relationship with you, do you actually want it? So let me close with this. How well do you know Jesus? How well do you know Jesus? I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. Um, this last part, as I sat with this, I, I thought about you. I prayed for all of you. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've prayed for you for a while. And just praying that God would do something here, that God would do something on this campus, that God would do something in you, in your life. Uh, if you look at the world, guys, and you look at the, the place in history that we're in and, and what we have access to today, I, I think the world is hungry for a move of God. And it's hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit. If you've read anything about Asbury, do you remember Asbury? Just seven months ago, six months ago, something like that. It's a small little college down in the middle of the US. I don't even know where. And here's what they're known for, is the Holy Spirit showed up and it changed everything. You guys, if you have any desire in your heart to be used in a significant way for the kingdom of God, to make an impact on this world, if you have any desire to play a role in God's narrative for, for the entire world that's playing out in front of us, that, that the story that Jesus is telling, if you have any desire to be used in that, you can't be a part of that if you don't have a relationship with him. If you wanna change your business someday or start a business, if you wanna change a community, I mean, heck, if you wanna see people healed, if you wanna see the power of the Holy Spirit put on display, if you wanna experience the, the, the real forgiveness of sins and the power of the cross, if you wanna see that played out in your context, guys, it doesn't start on a stage. Starts in your dorm room, starts in your car, starts in maybe your bathroom, wherever, wherever it's private for you, where it's like, Jesus, I just want you. That's all I want. I just want you. Guys, I think God, God could do something incredible in you and through you and through your generation that millions could come to Christ. But you gotta be close to him. So why don't we get close to him right now? Can we just pray together as we close?
Let's do that. Jesus, we come before you right now. God, I lift up every person in this room right now. God, I know how the enemy works and I know what the enemy likes to do is to, to convince us why whatever it is we just heard or whatever it is that takes place in scripture can't happen because of us. Because we've gotten in the way or our sin or our brokenness or our pain or our shame or what we've done, it can't be undone. God, I, I just pray for each person in this room, whatever their role is, whatever they're going through in life right now, however lonely or isolated they feel, uh, maybe if they're looking at brokenness that exists in their life or their family's life, Maybe it's a brother or a sister. Maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe it's a loss. Maybe, maybe it's a diagnosis that they got. Maybe they lost somebody that they love or that they care about. Jesus, it's so easy to keep you at a distance, especially when we're hurting, especially when we're in pain, especially when we're confused. And Jesus, what we pray for right now is that you would actually be close. We know you're close. Jesus, I pray right now for every heart in the room that we would actually open up our hearts to you that you would speak to us, that you would minister to us, that you'd, you'd bring us the gift of your Holy Spirit, that you would change the trajectory of not just our lives on this earth, but for eternity. Jesus, do a work in this place like only you can. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your sacrifice of love. We thank you that you just love us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said together, amen.